But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am a co-host, Brian. I don't know what I just said there. And for some reason, we don't know where Spaz is. We hope he's okay. I just texted him, which I don't think I've ever done. Uh, also, But also joining us is your co-host, Julie. Hi. Tactics is my second language, or maybe my third. Oh, Spaz just texted me. He just woke up. <laughs> so he'll probably be joining Let's give him a bit, then. Whew. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. And also joining us is your co-host, Thorsten. Hello. And your co-host, Jacob. Because this is the world we live in. <laughs> did the, did the animation... joke, I know. Did the animations remind you of that video? Is that where... Or- uh, no, it's, no, it's because it's made by the band Genesis. Ah, well, that was Genesis. I always think in some way in my brain, that's Phil Collins. For some reason, it's it is Phil Collins. I know, it's, but like uh, for some reason in my brain, I think it's his him being a solo. Uh, but th- I never remember that's actual Genesis. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, if you if you don't know what Jacob just did, there's a sh- what's the song called? Um, Land of Confusion. Thank you, Land of Confusion, and it had a puppet style that at the time was oddly popular. Uh, <laughs> for we don't know. Why, I don't remember why, but. Uh, but yeah, folks, if you want to do the chat, uh, Discord is still being a bit weird, so you got to use Twitch or uh, YouTube, please. Discord will so- show some messages, but not others, so we can't fully trust it. Right now, uh, Restream is um, aware of the problem. So we have a guest this week joining us from, you're in Spain? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, Portugal. Portugal. God damn. It's right next to... Hello. Uh, it's it's American right American geography. It's it's right next to <laughs> Spain, right? It's right next. Okay, yes. so a bit to the left. Yeah, same <laughs> peninsula. Amer- American public education, ladies and gentlemen. It, it's it's <laughs> great. Uh, welcome, hello. But welcome back to the show, Adam Solo, to talk about Interstellar Space Genesis and its latest expansion. Welcome back, man. Hello. Oh, hello. Glad <laughs> to be here again. You guys. Uh, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, big fan of your game, if you didn't already know. I tell people it's probably one of the best 4Xs of the last decade. Um, and I truly believe that because it it strides a very careful balance between the familiar and the new. You know, that that and it does it amazingly deftly. You know, like you do a great job of like, oh, this is just like Master of Orion 2, but... <laughs> yeah yeah and, and to hear that and yeah you've done a great job so it's it's both a pro it, but it's more approachable i think than the original master of orion because back in the 90s games were like oh this is the only game you're gonna play for six to eight months just dive in the deep end bastard go ahead uh, <laughs> we don't care <laughs> not only that what even is ui design oh <laughs> yeah god <laughs> Oh, right. The UI for Master of Ryan 2 is, oh, not great. It wasn't great then, oh, but yeah. it's... Frank, <laughs> Go ahead. Actually, I told you before. it was a thing. It was very much a thing. Hey, Spaz. Also, yeah. hi, Spaz. Hello. What Sorry, I'm late. What were you going to say, Jacob? Uh, I was going to say that I I am a, 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 a purveyor of older games, especially uh, 
by, by my aging standards. But one of the things that makes me bounce so far more than graphics than anything is uh, just bad UI. Oh, and there was no unifying anything back then. So, like, even yeah. for first-person shooters didn't use WASD. A lot of games, like, oh, I'd love to play Crusader No Remorse. Wait, I have to use the numeric keypad? <laughs> no. <laughs> I still... I'm still annoyed at uh, what's it called? Uh, Sydney is Alpha Centauri because it's a great game in terms of like in terms of design and playability. <laughs> it is so obtuse. Yes, yes, it is. Even with its really yeah. pretty good manual, it is still a pretty obtuse game. Yeah, I guess we are all spoiled by now. We uh, really are. Yes. Great, great UI design. Yeah. Oh my god! Like your game, like like your game. I gotta uh, say, your UI is great. I love how you have not only tooltips for everything, which which is, is good. It's so important these days. Yeah. So important. You have tooltips on every bloody element, and and I always appreciate a game that really invests in tooltips, and you guys definitely have. Um, yeah, we did our best with that uh, because um, it needed to be intuitive, and yeah, uh, we we were trying to find find a balance uh, between the UI design and the two tips help with that a lot. So yeah, we invested in that a lot. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Master of Orion Two had two tips, incredible. Yeah, by the time, but uh, they were not as obvious, so you had to click, I guess. Oh, and uh, oh, yeah, it was funny that I went back and then I oh, so it had so was it, it like it a was question not as easy as now? Was it like a question mark in the corner or something that you had to click no, or something? No, I think you just had to click. I don't think there was um, an area you had to click, but you had to click, so it was not obvious, but it was yeah, it, it was there already, but it was still in the early days of um. That approachability, yeah. Well, you know, oh. speaking as a kind of a neophyte to tactics games, I have to say I really appreciate because tooltips are so incredibly important to me. And not just, especially I like this because I don't have to figure out where they are, push a question mark, push a, an F1. It's like part of it is even voiced and it's like your little game says no hey dummy up here up here read this i'm going to read the first paragraph for you read the rest i said that is so great what do i do move over here okay thank you so much thanks for for spending all the time in the tool tips i really appreciate it and not just that but like the onboarding like like julia's saying you've got that tutorial robot lady person thing that uh that explains just about everything uh, on your first go and does it both succinctly and efficiently like like she never outstays her welcome which i think is great uh these are co complex games and there's a that's a ton of uh of systems and information so it's just the basics but at least it's there to to ease something some things for for people to start right away um, and then the tooltips get in also helping you. So the idea is that after not very long time, you, you're comfortable enough to start enjoying your time. Otherwise, you and get also, and quit. The big thing is if you come back to the game after a long after a long while, it's easy to remember what everything does because you can just because you can just go, oh, all right, so that was a button that did oh that thing. Plus, I, I like the fact that I can say it's my choice to have her say it again. She said, don't say it again. I said, no, please say it again. I'm going to forget. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until you until you hammers in, yeah. The, the the assistant is very patient. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And <laughs> good news, the uh, restream bot seems to be working. Uh, I don't trust it. Don't, 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 I don't trust it. <laughs> it's, it's been so flaky lately. Like earlier, it was like one message from Twitch would go through, but then the next two wouldn't. Why? No idea. <laughs> um, but they're aware of it. They're so, uh, Adam, if you're not aware, uh, we stream to, uh, seven different, seven different places and we use a thing called restream chat to look at all the chats in one place, which is very handy. And so you could like look, you could see every chat in one place. If you're on YouTube, you could see Twitch. If you're on Discord, you could see all of them, you know, that sort of thing. And when it works, it's phenomenal. When it works, it's phenomenal. When it doesn't work, it is maddening because so, so much of these streams relies on the chats, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if not for that, we'd only have to stream to one place and one place only just <sighs> to keep things working. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Not to feel a little inconvenient. Yeah, I like streaming uh, to multiple places and giving people a choice as to where they watch. You know? Right. So. Anyway, Genesis. back to the game. So, I just wanted to say one more thing about the UI before moving on. Uh, the UI is pretty effortless. Like, that's, that's, I think, one of the best compliments I can give a UI is that it, it like, I'm having fun enjoying the game and using my brain for that. And not for where's this button or where's that button? Because you have those little like iPhone style pop ups for when a thing needs doing, you know, like the little little alert style things, and and whatnot. So I just have to say your your UI just blows me away with how just it frees up brain juice for other important stuff like deciding whether to per- deciding whether to hire a leader or where to put them or. You know, that sort of thing. So I really appreciate your UI. Now, Interstellar Space Genesis has been around for, when did the game, when did the original game come out? Was it 2019, 2018? 2019, 25 okay. July. <laughs> you remember, of course you remember the exact day. It's like giving birth to a child. Yeah. Of, course you, of course you remember no, the exact day. It's almost three years. It's, it's, it's almost three years. That in, is. In July 25. That is that is great, and in three years you've had two expansions, which is also great because people like I love that your your expansions are like the classic actual style of expansions, you know, where you're getting like new races and other and other fun stuff, not like oh it's a it's a piece of art or it's a it's a new it's it's a it's yeah. a song yes. or <laughs> now the, now there is the soundtrack uh, to buy separately, but that's. That's 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 it's a great soundtrack, by the way. Really great soundtrack, by the way. Great music. Oh, Uh, glad to hear. Yeah, yeah. We 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 did our best to to um, to make it as best as possible. So we tried early to get uh, good composers, and we we had the luck to to work with Grant Kirkhope at the time to produce a few of the songs, and we were extremely happy with the result. It was quite expensive, but. Uh, we think it was important because one of the things that we remember from the day from playing Master of Orion 2 and other games is that music was was really important to get you um, into the, oh, the spirit of the game. Oh, God. So, yeah. Like, I it, prob- it, it also won a prize, so definitely oh, very happy. congratulations. Like, th- there are some games I remember their soundtracks more than actually playing them, like Ascendancy, for example. Like, great game. Mm-hmm. 
but the soundtrack is whoo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've probably listened to that more often through the years than, than I ever played the game. <laughs> you know, yeah. but m- music is kind of, is important. And I don't think a lot of people appreciate the work that goes into the soundtrack. And it's like, that's why there's a lot of games I play. The first thing I do is turn up, turn down the music all the way down. But it, when a game is really good, it's like, no, no, leave it up. I want to hear this. Uh, I, if I'm allowed one diversion, I am sick of the weirdly like Eurocentric idea in de- in design that that uh, soundtrack should just be in the background and that it should be like unmemorable or immemorable, however you say that in English. Oh, really? Wait, like, yeah, e- like this is actually something that's quite prominent, e- especially in AAA studios, that the idea that video game soundtrack somewhat similarly to like m- a lot of modern film it's kind of related to it should that's, be just in the background and not notice it dumb that's which really is, dumb which is which always reminds me of like the disparity whenever i go back and forth for example between playing uh something like mass effect which has a good soundtrack by a competent composer but it's a soundtrack that's extremely um, uh, that's extremely difficult to remember any song from and then compared to something like ace combat which has which has a legendary soundtrack. Or I was Luckily thinking, but, I was thinking Final Fantasy fourteen, which also has Final Fantasy fourteen exceptional soundtrack. Which is, or Persona, which is why I suspect it's primarily Eurocentric. Yeah, because it maybe. seems like Japan has the monopoly on like the near monopoly on good like memorable and, video and, game and, soundtracks. And then when you have a good but soundtrack, also the NBC. And then when you have a good soundtrack, you get to sell that soundtrack and make more money because people remember the soundtrack. Yes. So why not make a good soundtrack? It's a it's another but, revenue stream. Well, <laughs> of course, it also specifically a Japanese AAA scene because the because the indie scene is a bit better about it. You know, I've got a friend that's an executive producer for it's it's not a space game, and I won't bring it up, but it's. Yeah, it's a multiplayer game, and the music is so great that you'll say, don't you want to play in this area over here? I said, no, I'm not leaving. Well, so why not? Is it because I love the music where I'm at? I play here just to hear the music. <laughs> yeah, there are times when I'm playing Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, and I won't use autopilot because of the song that's on. <laughs> I'll just, like, fly an extra few minutes just so I can hear the song. <laughs> anyway. I mean, the songs in that game are really good. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Anyway, back to Interstellar Space Genesis, the game we're here to talk about. Apologies. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're really bad at staying on topic. We are. We are. Um, but no, I, I'm really glad that your game has done well enough to warrant two expansions. And um, so, folks, if you're not aware of what Interstellar Space Genesis is, first, why are you here? You, I mean, you, I mean, welcome, but... Come on. So, I mean, but if you're not, um, it's basically like a homage love letter to Master of Orion 2, but with modern sensibilities, modern UI, tooltips, all that kind of fun modern stuff that make it a much more approachable and I think better game. Uh, While also having enough incremental improvements to not just be the Master of Orion remake. Oh God! Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Which is it wasn't te- it wasn't terrible, just wasn't great. Um, so uh, the game has had two expansions. We're on the second one now. The first was called Natural Law, 
which added a couple of very, uh, how would you put it? Ecocentric, ecocentric? Would you put it? Ecocentric yeah. races? One right? of them, yes. The Palatian are very ecocentric and uh, uh, friendly with their uh, environment and eco-sensible. Yeah. I, I love that one race you added in that expansion where you're like, we live on a goddamn utopia and we're gonna make it, we're going to make every other planet a goddamn utopia. And if you try and stop us. <laughs> exactly. I mean, why not? Free to why? try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the Palatians. One one of the um, one of the races uh, add that uh, natural law adds. The other is the Syrix, and the Syrix are like your uh, bu- bully style uh, judge dread type um, race that wants to protect you and defend <laughs> you, and of course uh, ask for some compensation for it. So. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's the the main inspiration uh, for them, and right. it's also one of the most, uh, I think, um, the, the, well, at least one of the most memorable that people usually uh, like to 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 make references to. Oh, really? We're, we're so, very happy with those two races. Yeah. Aren't they the like Ewoks in in uh, power suits? <laughs> yeah. The, the little creatures inside there, a huge max. Yeah, they're certainly a memorable design. Yes, That's why. Yeah. yes, I love the That's, design. It's a nice colony you've got here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> yeah, they are like tech lovers, but not really good researchers. So they like to uh, buy stuff and uh, buy the new thing and uh, <laughs> uh, ask others to research things for you. That kind of thing and buy techs with money. Uh, now in the new evolving empires expansion for instance um one of uh, the one of the special unique abilities they have is that they can buy tax with money and that's through uh, that, uh the evolution sorry jacob that's okay but that brings me on to the question uh, that i'm asking for the benefit of the audience and not because i haven't actually had the time to play the expansion what does the expansion add yeah <laughs> well uh the evolving empires Evolving Empires uh, adds two main new gameplay features. One is these evolutions. Evolutions is like uh, your... It's like new abilities that you unlock. So it's an uh, extension of the space culture mechanism, social policy style, like in Civilization, that kind of thing, um, that are unique to your race, but but these are more substantial. Uh, These are unique and more substantial in the way that they change the gameplay. So they they were designed in mind to to really break the game or to to make it uh, different when you play each race and each race has five of them uh, so you can go down the tree and you can opt for the usual perks or opt for the special ones that you can unlock with time and as you go deep uh, the the special powers become even more powerful but it's not just granting you powers and bonuses it's really to give you a different experience so for instance. Only the human have this artificial directive perk that gives you Android leaders. So if you enjoy having a lot of leaders, and um, these will be these will suit you. Or uh, the Dragul uh, have this Supreme Predators evolution perk gives them bonuses when they kill monsters. Or um, extreme transformation on the Moltar allows them to colonize all planets. Like all biomes and gravity types are ideal for them. Uh, the Sulak have um, Death Switch 
Marines, for example, which allows them to collide with uh, with other ships instead of um, doing salvage in combat. That is replaced with the collide action, and uh, the Kayak uh, have the ability to have a capital defense force always stationed in their system, and a, a heavy production bonus in the capital in this type of hive mind capital style thing. Uh, the Nova race has the unbridled power unique ability where you can exchange any unique ability available in the game. Um, not these ones, but the other unique abilities at any time. So And so on. The Palatian can use space monsters. So space monsters, usually you, you have to fight them. And the Palatians, they just join them. It's like they embrace them and the, the monsters like them and they protect oh. them. and they Yeah, and you can just Go there and they join you and then they have babies and you can have more and what? so you can have your own have space puppies? monster armada. They have puppies and space kittens. Pets. Oh my god, uh, they have space puppies and space kittens. Pets. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I think space monster is the uh, question. And these are just uh, a few. Uh, there's forty of these unique abilities. Um, five for each race. Also, the 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 first expansion to a couple of races also received this in Evolving Empires. So these these are the evolutions. So these are five ev evolution perks per race that alter really alter the game and provide a lot of asymmetry when you play. That was the main idea behind this big feature. Uh, the other one is minor civilizations. You have seen uh, other implementations, I'm sure, in other games. In our game, minor civilizations, pre-warp civilizations exist, and you have to first detect them. Uh, on a spaceship, will do. You will know somebody's there, intelligent life, but you don't know who they are or what they grant. Uh, so you get no bonuses right away. But if you do a full scan, then you you can know at least what they can give you. The type of minor civilization, so you can establish a relationship if you are in supply range, and get a bonus, a level 1 bonus. In time, if um, you survey the minor civilization with a survey ship, um, you can unlock further bonuses. An immediate bonus, or the first that does it, or the first empire, and uh, one that you choose from the ones presented. So the first empire that meets them gets the bonuses right away and uh, can pick which bonus. And then everyone shares the bonuses. So this is the feature where the minor civilization is not yours. It's like everyone has access if they have supply range. But then the, the last level of relationship is you bring them into your territory. And if they are in your territory, you get exclusive bonus. But the minor civilization belongs only to you. You get some diplomatic repercussions. And that was the idea also to spice up the diploma diplomacy. And they vote for you in the galactic election, mm. and you can destroy them if you wish, but then these will upset others. So it, it provides new dynamics on the exploration early on and mid-game and also on the late game as you keep finding them, because some will be hidden in brown dwarfs or in uh, uh, um, white dwarfs or, or, or rogue planets. So you, you will need to discover them, and then you... So this can extend up to the late game. So these are the minor civilizations. Then these are the big two new features of Evolving Empires. And on top, we had seven new leaders. These leaders are one for each minor civilization type, so inspired by them, and two new music tracks, specifically designed, uh, inspired by one of the, uh, uh, of the features. So one for the evolutions and one for the minor civilizations. So this is what you get.
with uh, with evolving empires. Yeah. A lot of a new asymmetry when playing the races and new minor civilizations to discover and uh, get relationships going. And asymmetry is such a really unique thing in 4X games that doesn't happen as much as you might think. Like, when I try and think of real, like, meaningful asymmetry, like, with, you, with your expansion, you, you guys pretty much have it now, but, like, I think of Sword of the Stars, for example, as another great example mm-hmm. of asymmetry, and maybe Master of Orion? I mean, not Master of Orion, Master of Magic, maybe? Um, that might be it. <laughs> I th- yeah, if I might say something here, yeah. I think it evolves with time. I think at least it's my perspective or opinion. I think back then when when something was different, because everything was usually the same, uh, but when something was different, we, we, we thought, oh, so these guys can colonize every planet. Uh, the silicoids, for instance, in Master of Orion 2, oh, so this is great, this is different. Uh, but these days, that will not enough that will not cut it because there was amazing games uh, that were released in the meantime and that brought the bar up on the difference of of what you can do so but that was just my opinion on on the on how asymmetry has evolved a bit on time that's you know sounds about right good something that torsten and i were talking about off mic and I'd like kind of like to hear his take on it, but the appreciation of the diplomacy part of the game, because the first race I encountered was the Moltar. And I guess because they encounter, they reminded me so much of the Tholian in Star Trek. The first time I saw the, and, and I love the animation, by the way, I first time I saw someone from the Moltar, I said, Oh my God, I'm dead. I just better start, restart the game now. And he just said, yeah, okay, well, let's just trade. And I said, wow, really? Come on in, help yourself. And so I just played the game and nobody was trying to smash me into the ground. And I said, wow, diplomacy works. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. The Moltar can be very friendly. If you're friendly with them, then they will be as well. They're very joyful. Their inspiration is something along those lines. Some innocence involved. So the juxtaposition of being like a monster or something like repulsive in diplomacy, but they are like a child. And so they will be happy to play if, if you <laughs> wish. Well, you know, the, the little fan... Uh, part of it says interstellar space it says repulsive and i said i don't think they're repulsive wow plus it's, uh, the the first little ability i chose was to be able to settle on acid planets and i said well i'll be right at home come on yeah yeah diplomacy is pretty great in this game i have to admit it's like like I, I really like how different, like asymmetrical, I guess the races are and how they approach things. Like I like in my first game, uh, my I played a couple of games recently. I played one on a really tiny map, and then I played one on a really big map. And so the one I played in the really tiny map, I sent a ship not through the human space, but kind of near it. And they were like, "Hey, fuck you, war!" Like, "Oh, Jesus, what?" <laughs> Oh my God, excuse my language, but it was like very abrupt. And I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of is what humans would do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it can happen. It, <laughs> it depends also, yes, on the race. I'm like, I thought about it. I'm like, oh yeah, that would be a human thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But one thing uh, that is great about your game, and, and a, a lot of 4X games have a, have a, especially early when you're just, 
hitting next turn a few times to get to the next thing. Um, but that is rare. That is the exception in your game rather than the rule, which I really appreciate because more often than not, you'll have a decision to make at least one decision to make, uh, in a turn during a turn, uh, which is really what all we want in these games is to make interesting decisions. Um, exactly. And, and, and you, uh, more often than not give us like, I think my favorite, uh, decision besides galactic events. I love galactic event. Love, 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 love galactic events. But, um, my other favorite thing is when you discover a rare resource and you're like, okay, do you want these hardened bullets or do you want a power plant? You can only choose one. <laughs> Which one do you want? I really like that. Yeah. I really, really like I, that a lot. I like it as a game mechanic. I hate it personally because I get crippling choice paralysis. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the, the benefit of the mechanic is that it does make you have to decide based on the situation you're in right now, whether or not you need one of those more or in the future, because it's permanent. Yeah. Yeah. You can't undo that decision. You're stuck with it. Yeah. I usually try and think more forward. Like I I might not need these medical things now, but they sound like there'll be a benefit to my empire later. So I'll take that one. I, I just love how, how you've woven in all these interesting choices uh, to all these different parts of the game. Like, like I bring this up every time you're on, but I, I think exploration is one of my favorite things about your game because so many games exploration is the first part and then you're done. And then that's it. You know, you found everything, but with a game like yours, exploration really never stops. You're, you're, which is so great folks. If you're unaware, you haven't played this. There's the, there, there are multiple levels of exploration. It's like a big onion. Basically you have the typical, Oh, you're going to send out a frigate to look at a system. That's the very basic. Oh, look, there's a planet there. But then, then you have to send a survey ship to do a little more deeper dive into a system and go, Oh, look, those are, Oh, look at these ruins we found. Or look, here's let's, we found more about this minor civilization. And then there's also a long range um, exploration where it's like they're looking through telescopes or something, and that's how they find like, 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 like rogue planets and and things that even the ships didn't find because they flew past them, you know. So exploration goes all the way to the lake game, which, and it goes even deeper than that. Yeah, there's yeah. the there's the ruined exploration mechanic where you have to send an explorer leader right, on a survey right. ship, and then and then you can explore the ruins once. By default. But then if you want to explore even further, you need an expert explorer leader, which you probably won't have until the mid or late game. So you have to give them enough experience to to level up their exploration capabilities and then have them come back later. So just because you've explored it once doesn't mean you're done. Yeah, exactly. It is. So I want to go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was a, a conscious decision because uh, I too also, we we all feel usually that exploration is a big part uh, of Forex games. And uh, that was that was an issue usually, is that you, you run out of uh, interesting mm-hmm. exploration decisions by mid-game or, or even earlier. Uh, so the idea was really how, how can we push this a bit more and make it more deep and more interesting. So in, it says, as you said, as you said exactly, you said it 
good. And then, so you end your game, even big game, even a big game, and you haven't, probably you will never find all the, all the hidden stars and uh, so the neutron stars and rogue planets that will be there uh, waiting to be found. And they, these usually bring good benefits, uh, even that work throughout the game. So uh, there are hints on how, on what you can find where, and you can speed up your explore, remote exploration if you wish. It's another option. As you said, another vector was to enhance the, the decisions in a way, as you said, the paralysis. So the idea was to strike a balance so that you don't get the paralysis or the frustration of not getting something, but at the same time also have interesting decisions to make. So that was the idea, to, to strike a balance there. Yeah, and that and that kind of weaves itself into other parts of the game. Like, like I'm looking at the stream right now, and there's the uh, there's the uh, infrastructure upgrade you'll get in a colony, and that's another way to make a colony more useful. Like, do I give it another uh, construction slot so I can build another thing? Do I give it a shipbuilding bonus? You know, do I want this colony to focus on shipbuilding? You know, so you're always making. Uh, interesting decisions that can be different from planet to planet, from moment to moment. Uh, and even and, from race to race. Yeah. Because that can influence which choices are going to be available to you for the most part. If your race is a Moltar, you don't have a lot of planets you can settle on because a lot of them are just out of your, uh, out of your range as far as colonization ability. So with your small growth rate, you have to really prioritize where you want to settle. Exactly. And how you develop the, the, the infrastructure may be key with that. So it's a way at, at the same time gives you choices and, at the sa and, and also reduces the micromanagement a bit. It may not seem so, but instead of having a ton of buildings or a ton of things you need to do in each colony, and they can get quite a few, um, you have some leverage, you have some handles and switches, you can uh, make choices and uh, upgrade colonies in a certain way, but only from, from something from time to time, not, not, uh, not always and not everywhere at the same time. So that was the idea to give it uh, a bit more depth to the, to the specialization of colonies, but not requiring you to, to build a ton of buildings everywhere uh, the same. Yeah, it's it's nice that you don't have to do the micro that you do in other games. I really appreciate yeah, that. That was one very important aspect. I'm not sure we accomplished... Uh, the, I mean, it, it's not perfect in terms of... There's always some degree of micromanage involved, especially if you play a very big game, a gigantic game, and you have a lot of colonies, that, that will happen a bit. But that was surely one of the things that we we knew from the start that we needed to get right was to alleviate the micromanagement in a way that was fun, so with decisions and uh, interesting uh, things to do, but not uh, requiring you to build everything everywhere the same or to micromanage a ton of ships, or which were probably uh, the worst aspects of Master of Orion 2 because oh, the rest was, was really great. Yeah, that was so... Oh... Yeah. Yeah. It was a problem. Every colony needs these buildings, so you have to build all those first before you can build anything interesting. Nope, not here. Uh, yeah. yeah, not here. <laughs> it was an issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, you've done a great job. If you will, I think you succeeded. Honestly, sorry. Go ahead, Julie. If you will allow me my fangirl moment here, and that is, first off, and as I said at the top of the show, tactics games are like my second, maybe third language. So when I say tactics game, it's like, okay, everything is still pictures. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be so incredibly boring. Just shoot me now. And when I brought this up and I said, okay, the leader pictures are animated pretty good. And then when I saw the colonies, I said, oh my God, look at that. The birds fly. It's animated. And then I saw the little button that says, would you like to automatically manage this? I can just watch it grow. And I came back and there was more buildings. And I said, oh, Thank you so much. So I just absolutely love the colony animation in this game. And when you got somebody who's a noob to tactics games like me, that's a big draw. So thank you so much. The animation is wonderful. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, that was interestingly another thing we we wish to get right. I mean, we are an indie uh, studio. We have we don't have a lot of resources. So, but we knew that it was important to get a a good a good uh, ambience when you visit a colony because it was also one thing one thing that I really really liked in Master of Orion too is that you can really okay people live here and uh, it's different. This colony is in a different system and all that helps with the immersion and with the, with the story. So we, we we tried our best to do in the resources in the limitations we had to to to, de- to develop something that was attractive and indicative that okay these guys live here it's a different environment and provide uh, a, a good enough animation for each so the immersion in the colony system was also something we wished to 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 deliver. I mean, it's one of those screens you're going to spend a decent amount of time in, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sense. Uh, now I wanted to ask, um, so when you're creating an expansion like Evolving Empires, how does that start? Like, do, uh, is it because a lot of people are asking for a thing or is it because something you wanted to put in 1.0 that, that didn't, you didn't have time to fit in there or wasn't like ready to put in there? Like how did, uh, I guess, how do you come up with an expansion like Evolving Empires? Like what was your process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, it's a bit, as you said, that uh, the community, what the community would like to see, there is. There is a lot of that. So we take that a lot into consideration when when we design the next expansion. I mean, it's natural. I mean, if people are interested in one thing, we, we try to accommodate. Of course, if uh, that goes in line with our vision for what we would like to, to offer and how do we reach uh, that um, that list, or why why these features? Why, why not why not others? So for evolving empires in specific, as you ask, um, we felt as while while playing and also reading community feedback of the game, but also our own feeling that the game could use really some more, even more meat on exploration, especially early. Because early, it's true, there's a lot of stuff happening, but sometimes there's a bit of a lull there where um, you, it's something to spice things up there, early game and also mid-game. So a bit more meat on exploration. Uh, some sprinkles also, so synergies with diplomacy. We, we felt things could, could become a bit static, so the, the minor civilizations bring a bit more 
spark a bit more disagreement because you are establishing exclusive relationships, so you have to make decisions. You, you may uh, create some enemies if you do that or destroy a minor civilization to negate it to someone else, so that kind of thing. So we also thought that was important to have. So these are the minor civilizations. I think these were the, the most important uh, reasons why we added those, like the way we did. Uh, the evolution perks that unlock the special game-breaking abilities, um, we really felt uh, that the community also was saying, and we really felt the races could be upgraded further even to, to to bring to unlock all the um, all the lore and to, to to give them more personality and character while you play also to give you uh, more reasons to play the different races and to to enjoy and create new play styles and new stories um emergent stories these we thought these would help a lot with that um and it's different each game you don't it's so it's mutually exclusive and there are two paths i forgot to say that before so the evolution perks you, you may go one path one time and another in the other game and you can also randomize so replayability is always a big one in, in games and forex games it's it's top so this would also increase replayability so in the end was about adding more depth adding more longevity replayability, uh, fun in the asymmetry and experimentation of playing with new toys. People are saying uh, in reception to Evolving Empires that it, it brings uh, new joy, new color, uh, more color to the game. So that was the idea. We, we thought these two um, features in specific would please the fans, would go in line with what we thought was... Um, required for the game at that point and you have to, to understand that it took almost one year and a half to, to produce the expansion so this was mostly what we thought <laughs> was really required at the time and then the game evolved it received free updates substantial free updates but then the expansions bring these new content and these new abilities and these new ways to play so and we are getting very great reception from this expansion in particular because it really unlocked i feel a lot of more um from from the game already so this was the, this was the process then it's just hard work and uh, to make it happen it was really really hard work one and a half years as i said uh, also lots of art expensive art and music um, that caught in. It's only two new tracks, but I say only, but it's expensive. Uh, uh, our composer, the other composer, Ryan McQueen, which is a great composer, uh, did a wonderful job creating a, a, a sound a music for each uh, feature. Um, and that was it. That, that was the process. In the end, you get these, and uh, it's really great to see the reception and see a lot of people happy about seeing new content and uh, seeing, reading reviews where people say that they are playing until late night or early morning and enjoying themselves is, is really great. We are very happy. Yeah, so far every review I see for the new expansion is positive. And <clears throat> I love how one review says they listen, that the devs listen to my feedback. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's tough sometimes because there's a lot of stuff and we have a very big list, but we do consider everything. We prioritize stuff. Not everything will make it in, but uh, some things 
do do enter the game. You know, I just wanted to say it's just so nice that you listen to your community because more than once, without using any names, uh, we've um, we as in other people I know, we've seen uh, companies that refuse to listen to the community and paid a heavy price for it. So, uh, so wow, bravo for doing that. There's definitely a balance there between listening to the to the community and then dealing with the feature creep because that can go on to the other extreme if you listen to the community or at least the most vocal of the community, even if they are a minority, far too much. Yeah, exactly. And that can lead to uh, to incorrect feedback uh, leading to extra feature creep and then going taking it in a random direction that alienates a large percentage of the community just because you listen to a minority that just happened to be very loud that's all correct yeah i agree <laughs> it well, needs, we you need to strike that balance it's, it's always, not easy it's not easy there'll always be an unsilent minority and there'll always be people who you know don't understand the cost of something like you know, animation on the scale that this is and developers will say, you know, I'm an indie developer, so not without a second mortgage on my house. But um, still, I just, whether it makes it into the final game or not, I think that's really important for a developer to do. And I really appreciate it when it happens. I think one of my favorite pieces of feedback I see for almost every game, especially single player games is, can you add multiplayer? Can you add co-op? It's like, uh, how about we don't? Well, it's not just a switch you turn on, idiot. I mean, sorry, <laughs> I get so frustrated. I, I, yeah, it, it does. It does seem to be that a lot of people ask for things, but they don't necessarily know what goes into making that thing happen. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And if you don't plan for multiplayer from from very early on in development, it is a very difficult thing to add after the fact. And you have to rebalance everything around that. Yeah, it's just very yeah, exactly. Bad. It's both technical and uh, design challenges. It's really, really a uh, uh, difficult um, feature to add for sure. Yeah, like I, I can't imagine playing this in multiplayer. I especially with the asymmetry and and the evolutions, like. I just can't imagine playing it's, this in multiplayer. It's horrendously unbalanced, if anything. But I think some yeah. of the greatest strategy games are on balance. Like, there's a reason people still play Master of Magic. It's because it's because there are world-breaking spells in that game. <laughs> exactly. You know what? I, I I abide a bit by that by by that philosophy myself and and my um, uh, colleague uh, Mr. Keith Turner, also co-designer. We we share that. That um, that idea that uh, it's okay to, to to have features that unbalance the game, if even game breaking or if it's fun. Basically, yes. it sounds easy, but it's not. It's not easy, but it, if it's fun, then great. Of course, this then conflicts with multiplayer. So yeah, of course, it is. Yes, that's why it's to, to to add multiplayer and to also have these fun game breaking stuff because people will find it frustrating and will complain that they are uh, too too powerful, etc. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you keeping this single player because <laughs> it doesn't need it doesn't need multiplayer. 
doesn't. Besides, if you want multiplayer for a game like this, uh, there are plenty of options. Go play Stellaris. If, if, if Damn that... it, I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Why? <laughs> you know how much I love Stellaris. It's one of my favorite games. It's, uh, it's, so, <laughs> it's so great. Why aren't more games like Stellaris? He said, "You could not say that with a straight face." No, you could not no, say that with no. A face. I have a huge grin on my face right now because I'm lying through my teeth. I, <laughs> Brian, if there are any Swedish people pointing guns at you, please blink twice. Hey, I don't, I don't blame the Swedes for Stellaris. I, I the, the the Swedes have enough to deal with. I don't blame them. I don't blame the Swedes for Stellaris. <laughs> sure. Uh... <laughs> No, that would that would be the development process that has at least three leads go through in its oh. development cycle. So they change packs like, so many times. I feel like we need to t- do a post mortem on Stellaris one of these podcasts. But anyway, I, you know, well, that, that will be whenever it's done. And uh, and I don't want to say that. I I don't say that as as a as a negative thing because well, it is still being developed. There's still more stuff coming out for it. Yes. Because it's paradox. Uh, anyways, yeah. Genesis, please, <laughs> L- ladies and gents, we're really bad at this. We're not. We're, we're not. Well, but I mean, I, that's probably what people. People. I think some people tune in for the tangents. I'm not even kidding. People have told me they love the tangents. You know, Good people. To know. Pe- so people have told me they love when we get random. You know, so don't stress about it. It's going to happen. I mean, there's five of us. It's going to happen. <laughs> Anyway, um, so so uh, now we're on the second, like this one took a while. So I got to ask the question, is there another one in the wings? In the what? Is there another expansion for Interstellar Space Genesis in the wings, in the offing? Well, the answer is there might be, <gasps> but at the moment... I mean, it's it's the classical answer, but it's re- it's really the truth here. Is that we really go one at a time? We go uh, with the time, and we we release, and we see the reception. Of course, you need to sell well to to continue um, expanding the game because at the end of the day, uh, we're a small company and a business, and that's the fact of life. So that's the policy, and that's what we do. Like I said, we try to we do the we are the community. We try to add the features the game really needs and that the fans would like to see. We deliver. We try our best, and then we see where we are, and that's where we are exactly now. I mean, it's really tr- the truth. I, I, we are still in the post-release phase, uh, fixing fixing some things and uh, tidying things up. Uh, that um, minor things, not not substantial, but. And yeah, we we will then uh, talk uh, about what will come next. So no, there's nothing um, already set. I mean, there are ideas. We always have more ideas that one day maybe could be see the light in in new content. But no, there is no next expansion in the works or or really thought out how how it will. There's no layout. Third expansion or something like this. So there are ideas. We really need to see where we are now, and then we'll decide uh, if we if there will be a third expansion or not. Well, that's I, totally fair. That's that's, that's it's too soon to say anyway. If, yeah. if you're still taking feedback from and and dealing with uh, 
with whatever issues come up from the post release of this DLC. Exactly. Then it doesn't make sense to say, well, we have another one coming now. We don't well, even have about... resources. It's yeah, frozen. exactly. Even if we were thinking, uh, there will, there's not even resources for for us to start thinking. I mean, just the design, it, it takes ages and to, to make things that are really uh, tight. And uh, so, yeah, it's not possible. <laughs> we really need to go one step at, at a time. You know, I I feel obligated because I always have my own unreasonable request, and I know the answer is always never. But you never it's not know. Coming to the switch, <laughs> you never know because I said the same thing, and then Hello Games said this summer, and I said, "Oh my God, thank you." <laughs> We really need to make that bingo shot. Yes, we really yeah, we, need to make we, that we, is right. That's the next S word. Yeah, we need to uh, delay one of the more recent episodes of Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds. If you all aren't watching, it's probably the best Star Trek since Sea Space Nine. Um, they had Enterprise Bingo, and it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe we need Space Game Junkie Bingo. It would have Elite Dangerous on it. It would have Star Citizen. Stellaris, the switch, space toilets, weird tangents, uh, <laughs> dumb Shogun quotes, and Shogun forgetting the quote. Manuals, well, probably manuals. You never manuals. know. I never thought that. I never thought that No Man's Sky would come to Switch. And then, it is surprising. It is surprising. And then, and then they say, "And you're right. I'll never be heard from again. I'll take breaks just to <laughs> play this game." Yeah, I think it comes down to to resources and mainly to the UI, maybe because uh, these uh, text-heavy, complex uh, games really need to to show things reasonably well. And uh, we did our best for the for the guys with the big TVs and all that. So, so we offer some scaling options, but I'm not sure if that will be enough for Switch. And uh, yeah, we, it would require another level of resources and people to to look it over. I mean, I, I have a feeling it will not be impossible or really that hard, but uh, you just need uh, the resources to, to, to just consider it and to, to analyze if it's possible or not. Yeah, I, I could see this being turned into like a gamepad interface, event, but it would take a lot of work. It would take a, a lot of work, but... Yeah. And and you'd have to scale the text properly for when it's in handheld mode and yada yada yada. So yeah, that would we be. We see games uh, being released, forex games, but I mean, no, uh, these are triple it's a lot of studios. And also, there is uh, the Nintendo approval process, which requires time, money, effort, and uh, pedigree. Yeah. I guess. No, realistically, because of how text heavy is, I don't see how it would ever work, but. Uh, I can appreciate that you can, that you, one thing that's important to me is that, you know, I said, you want to make the UI bigger? And I was like, hell yes, my eyes are 66 year old now. And I need, yes, I want to make it bigger. (laughs) Yeah, we are aware that's, it's important. We have always that in mind. All us gamers are getting older and uh, (laughs) we need help in a lot of ways. And I just have shit eyesight. <laughs> yeah, you're you're already starting from a, from a poor position. <laughs> like, like, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, my did, eyesight is all 
is already on the downward swing. It's just very slow. When did you start wearing glasses? Tangent. When did you start wearing glasses? I started wearing glasses like, when I was uh, 12. I think I, somewhere around the I've same time. I think I was, 14. I've needed them since I was three. Oh, Spaz wins. <laughs> yeah, Spaz definitely wins. Well, well quote, you know, quote, only, wins. only being born legally blind, it's yeah. kind of a, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, qu- big qu- big air quotes wins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <Oof>. yeah. <laughs> good way to put it. <laughs> but yeah, we are just um, we're just thrilled with your game, uh, Adam. We really one. It looks like it's doing well. Uh, two expansions in, and this one's getting you know. Like, like I was telling you, I'm on a, a couple of forums where I've told people about it, and more and more people are I've- like coming on board, and they're loving it. I forgot what I wanted to mention about it when I wanted to thank the developer for. The surprisingly good and genuinely scarily well-detailed chip design module. It's mm. really good. Oh, really? It is genuinely like... Like, it is... Ge- like, so, uh, there's a board... There are like... Uh, when it comes to Forex, there are two big board games. There is uh, Twilight Imperium and there is uh, Eclipse. And... The reason why I mention this is because Eclipse is notorious. Like, its main selling point is just having a very good ship design feature with a lot of rock, paper, scissors, a lot of op- options and variety, and a lot of ways to just tr- to trade and balance your ships. And this game somehow manages to replicate it to a decent extent. It's not... Okay, uh, it's not to the extent in, to which I would have liked, because the extent to which I would have liked is even more insane than... The game being on the Switch. Uh, I played Homeworld and Nebulous Fleet Command. I like there is no upper limit for me. But uh, it is a well-designed system where you can actually do uh, where you can actually like have like procurement considerations and uh, making ships designed to counter your opponent's strategies, as well as exploit what resources you have the most of, because different weapon systems are tied to different strategic resources. Uh, yeah. So if you have a lot of the missile, the missile resource, you have you can shove a lot of very good missiles onto your ships. But also missiles operate differently to uh, uh, to uh, lasers and, and kinetics. They have different uh, ways of defeating them. Uh, there is, and you can also design different weapons for different tasks. There's there's point defense missiles. There's carriers. There's all kinds of good stuff. And also you can put, and also you can have dreadnoughts with big flock of spinal cannons on them as one of as one of the Ooh. factions. So uh, I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it's, I it's don't... one of those. Oh, good. Yeah, it's one of those uh, areas also where you you also need to strike a balance. Uh, we, we took a lot of inspiration in there with uh, from Master of Orion two, um, and we had it. We had it a bit more depth. Depth, of course, not going again into the dangers area of micromanagement, but to add more depth and choice on how you modify your shields or you modify. Your maneuverability, if you wish to to have more speed and accuracy, at co- uh, if you wish, yeah. and uh, so these knobs uh, where you can add the spinal mount. So this this sprinkles these new things that we we added uh, to make it more interesting, more deep, but without going overboard with offering like almost like a mini game or something. No, now I will is- say uh, the community thanks you for not going overboard. I don't, but the community does. <laughs> Yeah, I understand. I mean, it, it depends on the game. Uh, in this yeah, type absolutely. of game, uh, the I mean, at least it's my opinion, the expectation is that you find strike a balance because 
so that you don't go deep in in any system because all need to work at, at, at all of them at, at at the same time and integrate well. But if you go Unless too much on one, uh, you start to lose a bit the the pacing and yeah. the enjoyment. I feel. Unless you're literally distant worlds and can adjust every single system and its complexity individually because of its AI system, you need to figure out a way to make everything digestible. So one thing specifically isn't much isn't like ten times as tedious as everything else. Or just make it yeah. a separate game, like make the ship designing a separate game. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And some games have gone that route. Some games have gone the, we're just going to do ship design, and that's all we're going to do. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what was that really good one, Spaz? Sunshine Heavy Industries? Was that a really good one? Sunshine Heavy Industries, yes. Uh, Which yes. Is ship design as a as a puzzle within a budget. It's ship design then- as comedy is basically what it is. It's, it's ship design for giggles, for, for shits and giggles. Because you have a yeah you you have a requirement, <laughs> you can do whatever you want to get there. Yeah, and symmetry is not necessarily always an option, but nope. it, it is. <laughs> you you will build as much as you can within the budget you have, and as long as it works, you, you take home the profit. Yeah, you take home the profit of whatever it is, but it's a, usually generous enough that you can build what you need to as long as you don't go too overboard right jacob i'm glad you brought up the ship designer because i don't design ships in 4x games so i have like absolutely zero experience with this you just run the presets fair enough that's whereas i I whereas i went in saw you could set lasers to point defense to heavy mounts to like wide angle to a interception saw that you could have like missiles missiles with different warheads and different uh and different like uh, targeting parameters and memory serves right and I just went, okay, so I'm just going to spend the next two hours in this, and uh, I'm going to love it. <laughs> We're getting into Galsiv territory here, it sounds like. Really? Yeah. You oh, don't have to go that it. far into the weeds, but it helps. <laughs> you absolutely don't have to. I just really like doing it. No, it's it's nice that it's an option. It's it's one more way to really enjoy the game. So absolutely. That, yeah, it's optional. You can you can automate that feature if you, if you wish. David, you know. Good. It's a it's a small thing, but it matters to me. Thank you for the ability to have a human empress and not just an emperor. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's great to add, to add to add more variety. We added that on the first expansion, Natural Law. It added the two races, but also added uh, more rulers, more ruler options. Again, a request from also from the fans, and we, that we also thought was important. Add more flavors, so you have more characters to pick as as emperor as emperors. So the humans get two more, so three. One of them, Admiral Diaz, is a female, and then each of the other ones get a, an additional. Order. For variety's sake, yeah. It's, yes, it's well, I, I appreciate the choice. That's thank you. Representation You're matters, <laughs> even in aliens. Even in aliens, yeah. representation. <laughs> Even yeah, we think the our two do two D animation artist uh, Camilo uh, did a great job there. Oh, they're great! Your the your art is really, especially for an indie game, really great. Yeah, very not only evo- it's almost evocative of the mid '90s style that you're 
you're honoring animated uh, portraits. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very evocative of that style from back then, but with you know you know much better, much more detail, and and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this game is such a love letter to Master of Orion Two, while again still doing its own thing, which I think is really what makes it special. Yeah, it was definitely uh, the main inspiration. Uh, Master of Orion One, also one of the, my my favorite games of all time. Uh, but also other inspirations, of course, from from other games. I mean, from uh, oh sure. I mean, even Star Wars Rebellion, uh, leader style um, approach, or 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 for or from Crusader King. I mean, there were a lot of inspirations that uh, we tried our best to to fit in, not because we wished to have that, but because it really made sense. We thought to 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 improve the formula to keep what worked and to improve the formula in the way that the community will be happy to to enjoy because in, in that's how the project started the project started as a, as you say a love letter and a homage and a, the spirit a spiritual successor to master brian 2 because there really was a demand for that at the time and there still is for this type of design and but of course we we knew that we 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 wish to to improve the formula to bring it to the new standards and so and to deliver a product that people could enjoy and it's great to see that um, a lot of people are enjoying and having a good time well i'm just glad you didn't bring over the space combat from rebellion right 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 i <laughs> i don't know enough about rebellion uh, to say anything rebellion the core game of Rebellion still to this day is fantastic. You're moving but. units around, but the <laughs> the the quote unquote 3D space combat module that they have for that game is atrocious. Uh, on the scale of one to of one to Birth of the Federation, how bad are we talking? Oh, oh God, that's rough. Yeah, because not, Birth of the Federation. Not the combat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Birth, Birth of the, of the Federation combat. had a good combat system, but not. Uh, not so much in the main game. The The rest of the game had too much micromanagement, and that's unfortunate. But yeah. for, com- for combat, the main inspiration was uh, Master of Orion 2 and uh, 1. For Rebellion, Star Wars Rebellion was was more the leaders. leaders so yeah. the, the fact that your leaders can go in espionage uh, missions, for instance, and then get back to work in your fleet and bring information or into your colony. So that, that sort of thing. So it was an inspiration there. Yeah. Uh, Jacob playing rebellion, sending Han Solo on a recruitment mission or Luke Skywalker on an espionage mission is just a delight. You know, it's just absolute delight. So if you haven't played rebellion, you, it, I think it's on Gog now. Totally check it out. Um, I say, and yeah, you, you're saying there's, still a demand for this kind of gameplay. And a lot of people have tried. A lot of people have really tried to, to make their own homages. Let's be kind to master of Orion two and just failed miserably. It's like they, they don't get why there was lightning in that bottle. They don't understand that at all. It's like, Oh, it, the- or, more, more, or perhaps more important. They try to just do the lightning again. And, uh, comes yeah. up mediocre. So many. Like, we have the Master of Orion remake, and we've talked about it, and it's uh, distinctly okay. It's so mediocre. It's forgettable. 
It's that's that's its biggest sin. It's completely forgettable. Like I is it plays I'll, like Master of Orion too, but with slightly less charm. Oh, and better voice actors. It's got some Star Trek voice By actors. Default. Um, so yay! But uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's um, it, yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's easy to right. It's hard to 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 do this type of homage because you will. You will have to innovate, and you will not just uh, recapture the same spirit just by copying. That, that, that's for sure. That was not the idea. the The idea was to really pick from the fundamentals, from the formula that we. I mean, we really knew, or we tried to to figure out, or or to. I mean, it's something that you feel. It's not. It's not easy, but we knew the formula was solid, and people appreciate the formula of uh, this type of game. But then. Uh, how do you improve on it and how do you deliver it to today's audience? It's really not easy because you, you need to solve that micromanagement issues that we talked about and bring it to today's standards and keep keep the, sh- the charm and keep the uh, all those good things and add your own twists. And uh, I mean, we did our best. I'm not sure. I mean, if we did the best uh, uh, so far, uh, but it's surely not easy. To, to do this type uh, of um, spiritual successor. I think we were moderately successful on that, but it took a lot of time. It took a, a lot of um, commu- uh, community feedback. So the years in spacesector.com, when, when we were hanging on there and writing reviews and reviewing all those games, and I mean, I could assimilate a lot of the... Areas where you will need to improve to make that formula work. I think that was crucial uh, on this path to interstellar space genesis to be uh, part of that community at that time on spacesector.com, reviewing all sorts of games and thinking through what made it special and what could be uh, made now that will be well received enough for, for it to be enjoyable. And I think we or moderately successful at that, at least. Yeah, no, at I think you... Sorry, God. Yeah, the, the the company is doing well enough. I would say the, comp- the the game did well enough to 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 allow us to keep improving the game and uh, releasing new expansions. And Because let's face it, for Forex games, it's like that. It's uh, you try our best and the game took a lot of time and a lot of effort or for its 1.0 release. But yeah, it's the fact that the Forex game needs to, go, to continue receiving love from the community to see what's working, what could be improved, and with time. And I think this is the key where I believe that there were probably many other games, and I played them myself and reviewed them, uh, that tried to do a type of spiritual successor or homage to these or other games. The main issue was not that the quality or the interesting uh, features was not there. I think the, the, the problem, the, the question is the potential only gets unlocked with time. And there's, it's really not easy to keep working and to keep going until you can find that success. It's the, I think that's the, that's the tricky part. If those guys, if this uh, continued and tried and... Uh, Eventually, maybe they will. The games will blossom, and they would also have good games. Um, the ones that the the ones that were not that good, but you really need the time. So you really need the resources. You need you really need 
to the desire to do this thing and a lot of personal sacrifice because it's it's really hard to do this so it's in the end it's really a, a labor of love uh, you can do it professionally as an indie but it's not easy and it really comes through as a labor of love when you play the game like that's through and through every moment you're playing is clearly a labor of love uh, yeah, the passion is required and I'm also happy to see Space Sector is still up. <laughs> I just checked out of sheer curiosity. Glad to see it's still up and you're using it to it's promote still- the game. So, because uh, there's years of content there. Why not keep it up uh, if you can afford it? It's still it. there. The content is still there, yes, if people wish to check it out. Yeah, I think I think because you covered these games as a, as a blogger, uh, as a content creator, I think that gives you a, pre- a unique perspective that you use to come into this that I think a lot of developers can't share. Like you saw the failures, you saw the mediocre, forgettable titles and you're like, and, and you got the idea, like, how can we do this better? And I got to say it's work, dude. I mean, it's, I keep telling people, this is one of the best space four X's of the last decade. Like no freaking question. It is on the top of my list as one of the best space four X's of the last 10 years. Like, Thanks, it, thanks just, for the kind words. Oh, it's 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 um, it's easy to say when it's when it's good, you know. It's easy it's easy to praise something when it deserves the praise, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, thanks. And your game definitely does. Uh, do we have any other questions? Yeah, we, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just wish to. If if we are ending soon, is yeah. I really need to to thank. I really need to thank the the community as a whole and to. Um, the credits lists uh, the people that worked in the project, but uh, the artists, the, the community at large, uh, and then other the VIPs that helped the game in its uh, very ugly and very clunky uh, pre-alpha stage that bought the <laughs> game that uh, believed that this could be special someday. It was very ugly. It was already enjoyable in certain aspects, but it really needed a lot of work. So all 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 that helped a lot. I want to 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 give special thanks to Mr. Keith Turner for being there all the time since the beginning, since the, the Space Sector days, also reviewing games alongside. So he also collected collected a lot of a lot of uh, insight there. So uh, these days we are co-designing, um, and it's been a, a thrill and. A, a really a surprise and a realization that uh, if you can. Find the right people. You can do anything. Even co- when you you can co-design a game, <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I I didn't thought was possible, uh, but it, it, with uh, Keith is is really easy. So if I... you find the right people, if you have the will and at least some resources, if you give it time, you can do it. I guarantee. And I'm really glad when you took the leap of faith you took to follow this dream that it's been working out for you because it doesn't work out for everyone. So I am just thrilled that's working out not, for you guys. But <sighs> these at least are the ingredients. If you wish to succeed, you really need to give it time. And uh, if you have the, the vision and the burning desire to see something, if you find some uh, other <clears throat> souls that share your, your passion, um, maybe you will. Uh, be able to do that for for the time being it's working well enough for yeah. praxis games for, for us to keep going all you can really ask for 
in the, especially these days with a billion games coming out and discoverability being just horrendous. That's, that's pretty damn good. I think <laughs> as I often say, it's a weird and wonderful time to be a gamer. It really is. And it's probably a terrible time to be a developer. <laughs> there's just so many games. There's so much out there and it's so easy to get lost in yeah, the shuffle. That's, that's- that's true. That's another key aspect as well. I think we were lucky in that regard also. I was forgetting that uh, we had the blog, the spacesector.com blog. So that aspect also helped a lot. Yeah. And, and you made developer uh, diaries over there and you made content about the game yeah, and everything. That helped which, a lot. Yeah. People love that stuff. I don't think a lot of devs realize oh. that people, people want to see how the sausage is made. You know, people yeah, love I mean, seeing how the sausage is made. It's another way to start. If you don't want to start right away, may, well, it's another way. You can start writing about games, maybe, or somewhere, and uh, just uh, have a space. And uh, the funny and great thing about this blogging thing, and as I'm sure you guys also, some of you know, or podcasts, or you do podcasts, is that you, you start to find people with the same interests. Oh, of yes. Of course, in the new form oh, community, yes. and then everybody uh, starts to... to Share the same interests. So that's how things started for me to happen naturally. Mm. And it was not artificial. It was the opposite. It was very organic because I really had the passion and the others also had. So, and then things happen. So maybe that's another suggestion is if you want to start in the indie developing scene uh, or you join a team and learn there, maybe, or, or you start somewhere and find a space for you and then others will join and then you maybe you. You have some people that can work with you, and uh, and one day you can make things. Well, maybe that's another way to to start. Because I'm sure that if you start from nothing and and you don't have a space of your own to be heard, then it will be tough. But that's why there are places like yours, uh, Space Game, Game Junkie, and others that find these developers. So that that also helps a lot. Bring them to the light. I mean, I I can't tell you how much joy this whole thing gives me. I mean, there are very few things in my life that give me more joy than this so, and this community and whatnot. Great to so, hear. And it's very helpful. Oh, God. Uh, it, it, people, it, I'm sure. It's, it's making this just literal crap time we live in so much easy, that much easier to cope with. You know what I mean? It's like having that community, having, having that sense of place in the world mm-hmm. is just so yeah. important. So it's wonderful. You know, before we go, I wanted to say that there may be a lot of forex games out there, but there, from my standpoint, there aren't a lot of forex games out there that are so neophyte friendly like this one is. And Mm. so, on behalf of all the other forex noobs in the world, thank you for (laughs) making a game that is uh, neophyte friendly. (laughs) <laughs> so um friends the game is interstellar space chances if you haven't picked that up already we've only said it about 400 times uh the game is interstellar space chances you can get it on uh, steam along with its two expansions and soundtrack and if you have even a passing interest in in space strategy games you got to pick this one up seriously it is so good it does so much right and it'll just I, I had to force myself to stop playing the other day when I was recording uh, the background footage here because I'm like, oh, God, it's dinner time. I have to stop. 
It's, it had been like an hour and a half and I had no idea. You know what I mean? That's just, a, it flew by. So this is one of those games that the, that the time will just melt away because it's so good. So please, if you haven't already pick it up, it is great. And it'll be on your hard drive for a very long time. Thanks to its amazing amount of variety. Um, <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode, Adam. I want to thank you for uh, coming on. Anyway, once again, and talking about the game. And I hope we can bring you on again to talk about it further. Hint, hint. Uh, next week. Uh, You're welcome. Oh, yeah. Next week, uh, no guest. We're going to have a topic. We're going to talk about genre stagnation and staleness. Uh, has Have some genres and some types of games gotten too similar to each other? Uh, that's going to be. Speaking of Master of Right. Oh, yeah. That, that could definitely be part of it. Um, and then tomorrow on the stream, we're going to do our last uh, 1942 Pacific Air War stream. Such an amazing game. Yay. Oh, so good. Uh, so we'll see you uh, back here tomorrow at 6 a.m. Pacific time, everyone. Have a great day. Be safe. Be well. Take care of each other. And please, for the love of God or whatever gods or deities you happen to worship, if any, get vaccinated. Please. If you haven't already and you're listening to the sound of my voice, please get vaccinated. Please. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.